everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey everybody, welcome back. Today we are really getting close to wrapping up our journey through Ezekiel. So some of you might be really excited <laughs> about that. I am really excited about that. I feel like that. we say that every day and then there's like, oh, there's a couple more chapters to go. There is one day left after today. So tomorrow <laughs> we will finish Ezekiel Woo-hoo! and then we will step into Joel for one day and then go into Daniel. And so Ezekiel is like, we're not going to spend much more time with this guy. And we are continuing through kind of the final uh, section of the book that is focused on restoration. We're wrapping up this grandiose vision that Ezekiel is having of the temple. Uh, We've said every single day so far that that is pretty scandalous because there is no temple at this point. It's been destroyed. The city is in ruins. And Ezekiel is the one saying, no, I saw this really wonderful temple that is filled with the presence of the Lord. And the people that he's speaking to have never seen the temple filled with the presence of the Lord. So in chapter 44, uh, it talks about a gate, a gate for the sanctuary on the outer uh, the outer gate of the sanctuary. And I kind of like to, I don't know, maybe look this up yourself because it's kind of helpful to see. Our Bible gives a really good um, illustration of what this looks like. So in our Bible, uh, there's a, a gate that is shut. So no longer will this outer gate or the prince's gate, I guess, as it's called in our chapters today, it is closed and no longer will be open. It does say that this gate will remain shut. It shall not be opened and no one shall enter by it for the Lord, the God of Israel has entered by it. Uh, Therefore, it shall remain shut. And so this prince that is being talked about is actually really interesting because again and again and again, we see Jesus being brought up over and over and over in the Old Testament where like I knew there were prophecies before. I usually think of Isaiah when I think of prophecies about Jesus, but it is very encouraging and super cool to me to see Jesus being like brought up and referred to over and over again in the Old Testament, specifically in Ezekiel um, in this little section in 44. So in verse three, um, this rest restoration that we're talking about all the time is how this servant of God, this servant David, um, who Jesus is in the line of David, um, he will be that complete restoration for us. And he is like this promised ruler, this promised prince that we are looking at here in chapter 44. And so again, I think that is just a really, really cool reminder and kind of like a full circle picture of how God is going to completely restore his people and offer grace and forgiveness completely for us. There is some stuff in chapter 44 that can confuse you if you're not careful. Uh, There are very strict rules about not allowing a foreigner into the inner court of the temple. And sometimes people pull this out of context and they say, oh, this just proves that God doesn't like foreigners. He only cares about Israelites. But this doesn't mean that foreigners were not allowed to be part of the worship. They just simply were not allowed in the innermost, most holy section of the temple as well as most other people. I was going to say, that was very, very like small percentage of yes. people that could be there anyway. There's a very small amount of people that are allowed to be in there. So don't pull these verses out of context to make God seem like he's racist or xenophobic or something like that. That just plain doesn't make sense. And so 
there were there's there's plenty of history of plenty of foreigners who were involved in the worship of the Lord. And if you've been on this journey with us, we've pointed out several of those instances. Well, not to mention there are like actual parts of scripture where it talks about people that were foolish and just went in to said places and died because of it. They were not being or I guess they were not handling these holy places correctly and actually died because of it. So by not establishing those rules, you would actually yeah. send someone it's to their face. actually fate. gracious and yeah. compassionate to make sure that they don't do something harmful. Um, Ezekiel 44 has a section about the priests and who's allowed to do the job of the priesthood. Uh, it mentions Zadok, who was actually like a faithful priest in David's time. He did not go into rebellion uh, in David's time. And it feels a lot like Leviticus 22 or 21 and Numbers 18, where God is laying out provisions for these priests and what they're allowed to do and what they should do. So we just are drawn deeper and deeper into this vision of ultimate restoration. I mean, the, the last priesthood that Ezekiel saw in his previous vision was completely evil, completely wicked. Uh, that was just like the priesthood that actually existed in his day and in his age. They were very wicked. These are the guys that are lowering Jeremiah down into pits and uh, mocking him while he's trying to declare the word of the Lord. So this is obviously a vision because the people that are hearing it have never experienced faithful priests who love the Lord. Actually, it says in verse 23, they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the common and show them how to distinguish between the clean and and the unclean. Nobody has cared about that at all up until this point. And Ezekiel is highlighting the fact that things are going to be different. So I don't know if you have anything else for 44, but if we move into 45, we're talking about um, towards the end of the chapter, after very specific um, measurements and types of things that need to be taken into consideration for offerings and things like that. Um, the end of chapter 45, it talks about Passover again. So the first time that we've talked about Passover was back in Exodus uh, when the people were were marked with the blood of the lamb over their door so that um, death would pass over them. This time in Ezekiel, this Passover is actually has like a different emphasis to it. So this one specifically emphasizes um, offerings that need to be made for the atonement of their sin. So there's like a different feel for this specific Passover, which is recognized by like the Feast of Passover that they're talking about in this section of text right at the end of 45. So I think that's kind of interesting too. So it kind of has like a different meaning to it um, when they are celebrating their Passover feast together. There's different sacrifices that need to be made, yada, yada. Uh, fun fact, across history, um, because Ezekiel's Passover feast is so different, and you can compare this to Exodus 12, um, it looks like it's referenced as well in Second Chronicles 30, um, but this passage has been so different to the Passover celebrations in the original five books of the Bible uh, that Ezekiel was actually in danger of being ripped out of the canon at different points say, in history. Yeah, that would be really weird. So different rabbis would look at this and be like, nah, this is that we can't have this. So there's been uh, extensive scholarship done to try to reconcile why this Passover is different. Uh, just from a bird's eye view, we are talking about restoration from incredible sin. So right. it makes a lot of sense that this Passover is focused on the forgiveness of sin, but the original Passover was actually focused on 
God's provision and care and for his people, yeah. um, bringing them out of Egypt. So while the two things are compatible, they're not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And you could imagine why like challenging something like Passover and what it's for, um, you know, was contentious at times throughout yeah. history. So ultimately, I think that is one thing that could point us to the fact that this is kind of a ceremonial, uh, hyperbolic representation of how God is ultimately going to dwell with his people. It may not be a literal thing. And restore his people. I think it all kind of goes together. Like you were saying, that restoration piece is so key because their Passover is now like shifting towards an atonement focus. Yes. They're also referencing Jesus who is to come. Like, it's all these light at the end of the tunnels. Like we have to do yep. this because he is coming. He will be here. He's going to make up for our sin. So what would you say is a good your part for today? Um, Man, the your part for today is we only have one more day left in Ezekiel. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God that Ezekiel is almost over. I guess, you know, it, I guess maybe this is a stretch. I've been saying that a lot recently, I think, but it is interesting that Ezekiel's Passover is so focused on the forgiveness of sin um, because it reminds us of the gracious, compassionate, merciful nature of God, which yeah. if you've read most of Ezekiel, you you might think that he's not very gracious and he's not very merciful and he's not very compassionate. So there is an end to his grace and mercy. Um, but here, as part of this restoration vision, we see that God is highlighting his forgiveness, the atonement that he offers, the grace that he extends. And so know that God is just, but also know that God is gracious and seek to have a relationship with him by constantly repenting of your sin and enjoying the fact that you don't earn your salvation. Mm -hmm. God graciously gives it to you for free uh, as a free gift from God so that you can enjoy a relationship with him. So walk in that relationship. We will be finishing up Ezekiel tomorrow. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing. Uh, If you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word. And your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. Ezekiel 44. Then he brought me back to the outer gate of the sanctuary, which faces east, and it was shut. And the Lord said to me, This gate shall remain shut, it shall not be opened, and no one shall enter by it, for the Lord, the God of Israel, has entered by it. Therefore it shall remain shut. Only the prince may sit in it to eat bread before the Lord. He shall enter by the way of the vestibule of the gate, and shall go out by the same way. Then he brought me by the way of the north gate to the front of the temple, And I looked, and behold, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord, and I fell on my face. And the Lord said to me, Son of man, mark well, see with your eyes and hear with your ears all that I should tell you concerning all the statutes of the temple of the Lord and its laws. And mark well the entrance to the temple and all the exits from the sanctuary. And say to the rebellious house, to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, O house of Israel, enough of all your abominations, in admitting foreigners, uncircumcised in heart and flesh, to be in my sanctuary, profaning my temple, when you offer to me my food, the fat and the blood. You have broken my covenant, in addition to all your abominations, and you have not kept charge of my holy things, but you have set others to keep charge for you in my sanctuary. Thus says the Lord God, 
no foreigner, uncircumcised in heart and flesh, of all the foreigners who are among the people of Israel, shall enter my sanctuary. But the Levites who went far from me, going astray from me after their idols when Israel went astray, shall bear their punishment. They shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having oversight at the gates of the temple and ministering in the temple. They shall slaughter the burnt offerings and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before the people to minister to them. Because they ministered to them before their idols and became a stumbling block of iniquity in the house of Israel. Therefore I have sworn concerning them, declares the Lord God, and they shall bear their punishment. They shall not come near to me to serve me as priests, nor come near any of my holy things and the things that are most holy, but they shall bear their shame and the abominations that they have committed. Yet I will appoint them to keep charge of the temple, to do all its service and all that is to be done in it. But the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept the charge of my sanctuary when the people of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to me to minister to me. And they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood, declares the Lord God. They shall enter my sanctuary and shall approach my table to minister to me, and they shall keep my charge. When they enter the gates of the inner court, they shall wear linen garments. They shall have nothing of wool on them while they minister at the gates of the inner inner court and within. They shall have linen turbans on their heads and linen undergarments around their waists. They shall not bind themselves with anything that causes sweat. And when they go out into the outer court to the people, they shall put off the garments in which they have been ministering and lay them in the holy chambers. And they shall put on the other garments, lest they transmit holiness to the people with their garments. They shall not shave their heads or let their locks grow long. They shall surely trim the hair of their heads. No priest shall drink wine when he enters the inner court. They shall not marry a widow or a divorced woman, but only virgins of the offspring of the house of Israel, or a widow who is the widow of a priest. They shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the common, and show them how to distinguish between the unclean and the clean. In a dispute they shall act as judges, and they shall judge it according to my judgments. They shall keep my laws and my statutes and all my appointed feasts, and they shall keep my Sabbaths holy. They shall not defile themselves by going near to a dead person. However, for father or mother, for son or daughter, for brother or unmarried sister, they may defile themselves. After he has become clean, they shall count seven days for him. And on the day that he goes into the holy place, into the inner court, to minister to the holy place, he shall offer his sin offering, declares the Lord God. This shall be their inheritance. I am their inheritance, and you shall give them no possession in Israel. I am their possession. They shall eat the grain offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering, and every devoted thing in Israel shall be theirs. And the first of all the first fruits of all kinds, and every offering of all kinds, from all your offerings shall belong to the priests. You shall also give to the priests the first of your dough, that a blessing may rest on your house. The priests shall not eat of anything, whether bird or beast, that has died of itself or is torn by wild animals. Chapter 45 When you allot the land as an inheritance, you shall set apart for the Lord a portion of the land as a holy district, 25,000 cubits long and 20,000 cubits broad. It shall be holy throughout its whole extent. Of this, a square plot of 500 by 500 cubits shall be for the sanctuary, with 50 cubits for an open space around it. And from this measured district, you shall measure off a section 25,000 cubits long and 10,000 cubits broad, in which shall be the sanctuary, the most holy place. It shall be the holy portion of the land. It shall be for the priests who minister in the sanctuary and approach the Lord to minister to him. And it shall be a place for their houses and a holy place for their sanctuary. 
Another section, 25,000 cubits long and 10,000 cubits broad, shall be for the Levites who minister at the temple, as their possession for the cities to live in. Alongside the portion set apart as the holy district, you shall assign for the property of the city an area 5,000 cubits broad and 25,000 cubits long. It shall belong to the whole house of Israel. And to the prince shall belong the land on both sides of the holy district and the property of the city, alongside the holy district and the property of the city, on the east and on the west, corresponding in length to one of the tribal portions and extending from the western to the eastern boundary of the land. It is to be his property in Israel. And my princes shall no more oppress my people, but they shall let the house of Israel have the land according to their tribes. Thus says the Lord God, Enough, O princes of Israel. Put away violence and oppression and execute justice and righteousness. Cease your evictions of my people, declares the Lord God. You shall have just balances, as just ephah and a just bath. The ephah and the bath shall be of the same measure, the bath containing one-tenth of a homer and the ephah one-tenth of a homer. The homer shall be the standard measure. The shekel shall be twenty geras. Twenty shekels plus twenty-five shekels plus fifteen shekels shall be your mina. This is the offering that you shall make, one-sixth of an ephah from each homer of wheat, one-sixth of an ephah from each homer of barley, and as the fixed portion of oil, measured in baths, one-tenth of a bath from each core. The core, like the homer, contains ten baths. And one sheep from every flock of two hundred, from the watering places of Israel for grain offering, burnt offering, and peace offerings, to make atonement for them, declares the Lord God. All the people of the land shall be obliged to give this offering to the prince of Israel. It shall be the prince's duty to furnish the burnt offerings, grain offerings, and drink offerings at the feasts, the new moons, and the Sabbaths, all the appointed feasts of the house of Israel. He shall provide the sin offerings, grain offerings, burnt offerings, and peace offerings to make atonement on behalf of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, In the first month, on the first day of the month, you shall take a bull from the herd without blemish and purify the sanctuary. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering and put it on the doorposts of the temple, the four corners of the edge of the altar, and the posts of the gate in the inner court. You shall do the same on the seventh day, on the month, for anyone who has sinned throughout error or ignorance. So you shall make atonement for the temple." In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, you shall celebrate the feast of Passover, and for seven days unleavened bread shall be eaten. On that day the prince shall provide for himself and all the people of the land a young bull for a sin offering. And on the seven days of the festival he shall provide as a burnt offering to the Lord seven young bulls and seven rams without blemish on each of the seven days, and a male goat daily for a sin offering. And he shall provide as a grain offering an ephah for each bull, an ephah for each ram, and a hin of oil to each ephah. In the seventh month, on the fifteenth day of the month, for the seven days of the feast, he shall make the same provision for sin offerings, burnt offerings, and grain offerings, and for the oil. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow. Thank you.